unidentifiable flying object. UFO continues to be a mystery. Wasn't alone in space. Sightings of UFOs. Something out there. Close enough to be observed. What could it be? It can only be anything. A UFO. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another fabuloso episode of UFO No. Oh, yeah. I just made that up on the fucking fly. God damn it. You know it's true if it rhymes. I know, right? By the way, that disembodied voice that that your, your ears are peeking up to right now, it's Damon in studio with me. Why don't you introduce yourself, my friend? My name's Damon. I'm the host of the Secret to Secret podcast, all about spirituality, religion, and... All those fun things. It's great stuff. You got to check it out. Seeker to Seeker. It's wonderful. He is joining me. Blind Mike. Blind Mike, I love you. Um, and we miss you. But uh, he was passed out <laughs> when I went Blind to. Mike. Come on. I know, man. I mean, I get it. So, I mean, I don't get it, but I get it. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, he was passed out. We're going to let him catch some Zs, and then he'll be on the next one. So, Damon's joining me, um, and we're going to talk all about his show, and we're going to get into deep into some stuff like we always do and mike if you're listening i'm not a replacement no one can replace you <laughs> mike i am not going to give you that same reassurance <laughs> that's right keep on your toes motherfucker keep on your toes so before we get too far into this uh remember go to facebook like and share our facebook page ufo no podcast uh, thank you very much and then remember um our sponsors clarkston cbd co shop online clarkston cbd co dot com for all things like capsules gummies um all kinds of good stuff man i got oils on there yeah i'll be a testimony to that oh, i yeah. like the oils i like the tinctures damon likes my it my favorites damon likey the cbd that's how i met ben and you know what you're gonna likey the cbd too and guess what when you go on uh clarksoncbdcode.com and you shop online not only are you gonna get free shipping over on everything over 50 bucks but if you use the promo code ufo no, uh, you're going to save 10% site-wide. Damn straight. Fucking right. Anyways, also, Hell's Canyon Cannabis Company, thank you very much. Uh, another sponsor of ours, True Live Organic Soil-Grown Craft Cannabis. Beautiful. Just like Mother Nature makes. Uh, it's beautiful stuff. It's There's literally nothing in there that Mother Nature wouldn't put in there. Soil recipes per plant. It's beautiful stuff. Ask for them in your local Washington retailer, Hell's Canyon Cannabis Company. They are some of the best you are going to find. If you like small batch craft cannabis, that's what you're looking for. A nice balanced experience. Oh, yeah. Anyways, make sure Hell's Canyon Cannabis Company and your local Washington retailer. And if they don't have it, get a hold of me. I'll make sure that they get it. Um, Also, subscribe, follow, review. If you're on iTunes, Spotify, anything, give us a review. Uh, if it's a if you got a one star kind of sitting there, just just let that hibernate for a little bit. Let that fatten up. Build a nice coat of five star, okay? A nice colorful coat of five star, and then throw that shit up there. You know why? Because it looks good with all the other five stars. So you know, anyways. But make sure and do that. And then we got a new home, Coast to Coast Entertainment Network. Thanks guys for giving us a new home. Appreciate it. And also, of course, you can find us anywhere you find your favorite podcast because you're already listening to us on your favorite place to get podcasts, I assume. Uh, And then also, 
Text 208-790-8226. I want to believe. Thank you, Leonard. Thank you, Damon, for always listening. Appreciate that. Damon's a fan of the show, man. That's kind of how we met. Like you said, you came in for CBD, and I spilled upon you the fact that I do podcasting. And I you were like, podcasts, holy shit. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so we were like, oh, we we podcast. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, so ever since, I mean, he he listened to my show. It was awesome. I listened to his show. It's awesome. And so anyways, thanks for thanks for listening to the show, man. Thanks for having me. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, everyone who listens out there, thank you very, very much for the support. We really, really appreciate it. We are encroaching, encroaching, approaching 5,000 downloads. Very excited. Oh, wow. I know, right? It's not too bad. I'm pretty excited about that. The big Anyways. five zero zero zero. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, super awesome. So thanks, everybody. I mean, we wouldn't get it with 5,000 downloads if you weren't downloading it. So, hey, thanks. Anyways, uh, that's it. Let's get on to the show. So what are we talking about today? We are going to dive deeper into uh, me and Casey Skinner, I believe, a while back, uh, did an episode about Jack Parsons a little bit about Aleister Crowley um, and the connection of all that with NASA and JPL, which is Jet Propulsion Laboratories, uh, which is basically the founding of rocket science. If we talk about where rocket science was, it was NASA. It was Warner Von Braun. It was Jack Parsons. Um, so, and these were some weirdos. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So you know NASA is going to be weird. Um, if we, if that's just proof that if you're weird, you can do something good. You know? Oh, for <laughs> sure. I mean, you can do a lot of things if you're All weird. You can do good here, and I'm bad. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, for sure. I mean, look, here's the thing. I People like to, to fit individuals into boxes. Okay, They like to say, well, you are good and you are bad. Um, there are bad people that accomplish good things from selfish endeavors. Mm -hmm. And it turns out to be good for people. It, it's good for themselves, but it has a spillover effect. Okay. That's happened. Um, there's been some decisions made in government and things like that that hurt uh, the economy short term, but then extended it long term. Okay. That's happened. Um, there are also good people for good intentions have done bad things. So, I mean, it's hard to fit people into boxes. So Jack Parsons is responsible. He is the father of rocket science. He's an absolute fucking maniac. Weird. Oh, completely, <laughs> completely into the occult, sex orgies. Him and L. Ron Hubbard had a whole thing. Do you know who L. Ron Hubbard is? I've heard the name thrown around oh, quite a lot. Dude, dude. And isn't Jack Parsons also slightly responsible for uh, Scientology? Well, no. no. See, here's what's interesting. L. Ron Hubbard is solely responsible for Scientology. He is the founder of Scientology. You could say that L. Ron Hubbard is responsible for the downfall of Jack Parsons. I can believe that. Yeah, because L. Ron Hubbard, if you think Jack Parsons was weird, dude, L. Ron Hubbard was freaky deaky. All right, he was all into super sex orgies, trying to summon goddesses. He talked Jack Parsons into trying to summon a goddess. Apparently, Jack Parsons was successful and then blew himself up. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> and that's kind of where the theory comes from of like there being this portal that was opened by Jack Parsons. If you believe Aleister Crowley's stuff, that if you open this portal, the same individual who opened it had to be the one to close it. Well, if he opened it up and blew himself up, that kind of opens up a theory, which is really kind of opened up the show for us. But um, it opened up the theory that all 
interdimensional paranormal things, because this was around the 30s, had come from that. Here's a hot take for that. Oh, yeah. If he died, right, assuming, if you know anything about Aleister Crowley's methods and stuff, that's where he got the whole idea to open up the portal, you know? Uh, it's all mental. Mm-hmm. So if he died, wouldn't, wouldn't you assume that it closed, you know? Because once you stop thinking, there's there's no brain activity. It could so. be, however. However, as we as we know, there are certain things that like summoning ideas, ideas of summoning something. That's not something you can necessarily put back once you've summoned it. Now it has a life of its own, right? So in this way, maybe the portal is simply, it's not your concentration or mental power that keeps it running. It's a matter of once you ignite it, it's the energy of the universe that fuels that portal. So I agree with you. There are certain instances where there are things connected to the individual via power, energy, things like that. However, there are other things that are simply a summoning maneuver, simply a conjuring maneuver, and you have no control over it at that point. Now, there might be in things where, you know, beliefs, this is obviously, if you believe this type of stuff, where you can conjure something and now you have control over it because it is connected to your will. So therefore, if the summoner dies, you're absolutely right. However, according to Aleister Crowley's beliefs in this, this portal resided of its own energy. So it was not connected to the summoner. So that's why the idea was that whoever summoned it had to be the one to close it because otherwise the portal remained. That's interesting. Yeah. Because uh, in the theory that Alistair Crowley kind of goes off of, you know, the tree of life, uh, mm-hmm. Kabbalah. Here, put that right up to oh. your, uh, yeah, there you go. You know, Kabbalah. Yes. The like tree of life. Yeah. So the whole thought is that that is the divine mind and we're down in Malkut, which is the very bottom sphere. And if it does run off of its own energy, I'd be curious to know where it's getting it because it takes when the whole theory is if you want to like manifest something is it has to go through all of these different stages because as you go up the tree of life, uh, it's a lot easier to manipulate things because down here we're so dense, you know, that it takes a lot harder for things to just happen. Sure. So it takes, you know, the whole uh, manifestation, you know, like the secret in the movie, the book, whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, It's essentially you're like calling to all the higher planes of the mental existence of God or when, you know, whatever you want to call it, bringing it down from each sphere into the physical reality. Very interesting. So with that thinking, then, like you said, wants that energy source, the individual who summoned it, if they're not pulling energy from somewhere, whatever they're summoned, isn't getting energy. I'd assume it would just uh, dissipate. Uh, but unless it does have like an external, cause I, who knows what the hell they who were knows? doing. Who knows? <laughs> but well, and that, that's what we'll, we'll get into Aleister Crowley and we'll kind of get into his background because you really, in order to understand it, and like I said, the episode I did with Casey was really, really um, a very, very brief overview of both, very much so of Jack Parsons, his JPL and NASA and L. Ron Hubbard, very little about Aleister Crowley. So this time we're going to get way more into the occult side of it. Um, and less into the science of it, because last time we were more delving into the rocket science, how rocket fuel, he created rocket fuel, and how they still utilize all that stuff today, and things like that. So certainly, Jack Parsons, say what you want about him, but I don't think that NASA would be what they are today without people like L. Ron Hubbard, Jack Parsons, and to some extent, Aleister Crowley, because Jack Parsons would pull in a lot of inspiration from that. 
he believed, you know, Aleister Crowley was all about the black magic, the spiritual, the occult side of it, um, summoning and all that, controlling the dark arts. Jack Parsons believed that, but he also believed that his knowledge of science could bridge the gap and therefore make these things more functional. I'm going to take a hit on something real quick. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say Crowley was doing black magic because that was like uh, kind of like demonizing him. Oh, okay. You know, the satanic panic movement. Oh, okay. All that stuff. Uh, his whole deal was trying to complete the great work, so they call it. And that's okay. becoming uh, in like communion with God, being like a force of God's will. Yeah. And the do what thou wilt isn't do what your own will is. It's do what your like will was when you came to this existence. You know? Well, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, and we'll get more into it, but I, if I'm not mistaken, he tried to, with his wife, summon a demon. Uh, I think that was not Thoth. The Egyptian god Thoth. Maybe it was a demon. Who knows? He did some crazy shit. He did some crazy shit. Yeah, he's got a lot of books of all sorts of. And I'm really scary glad things. that you know about this because uh, because that'll help kind of fill in the gap. So let's let's go into the influence of of uh, Aleister Crowley. So Crowley was the founder of the Thelemic religion, whose practitioners lived by the motto "Do what thou wilt," like you said. He had previously enjoyed some success as a mountaineer, having scaled K2 and Kenchenjunga, the second and third highest mountains in the world, respectively. During the Kanjukujuga, whatever the fuck, expedition in 1905, Crowley's fellow mountaineers fell victim to an avalanche. They called to Crowley for help, and rather than assist his dying comrades, uh-oh, he did what any good Englishman would do. He ate them! I'm just kidding. He put his feet up and made a cup of tea. He then sat and watched them die on the mountain, later claiming that he had no sympathy for his chums. Whoa. That's pretty dark. That's pretty intense. Afterwards, in 1910, hooked on mysticism and debauchery, Crowley was admitted to another secret society, this time into a group known as the Ordo Templi Orientis, or OTO. Now, I thought he founded that. He did found it. Yeah, him and another guy, I can't think of his name right now. But that he did found OTO. So well. I'm wondering yeah. how accurate this is going to be. It's really complicated uh, yeah. when you get to mainstream media with yeah. the occultism stuff because people don't understand. So that's it why well. you you fact check this shit. I'll do I, my I don't best. fact check anything, <laughs> but you know at least like say, hey, well that's not quite accurate to what I know of him. You know, so I'm yeah. glad I'm glad that we're going to go over this. Do what I can. Yeah, because me and Casey, to be honest, I mean we didn't know much. I mean, we were looking over the over the stuff. We were kind of looking over what what was said about him and all that, and then kind of dissecting that. But um, as far as As Alistair Crowley goes, I, you know, I knew very little. Um, so he quickly rose through the ranks of the OTO and became leader of the English speaking fraternities. Although the OTO was originally modeled on principles of Freemasonry, is that accurate? Uh, well, the whole Thelema came from the Golden Dawn, which is uh, a thing that. Uh, Crowley entered in at the beginning of his career as a magician. That's what they call themselves. Okay. Uh, And then, yeah, they kind of borrowed stuff from the uh, Masons, but they were the only ones that allowed girls because Masons is like a boy club. So that's what kind of gave it a special kind of, you know, I put it on a pedestal for Crowley. Because it was for everyone. Yeah, they're basically the same, just uh, like a different tradition. And he could meet singles. Mm, he could oh, sing, sure he mingle did. with the singles. <laughs> Not many women were involved, but hey, they were allowed. Hey, 
just put some P and some V. So, uh, quickly rose through it. Although the OTO was originally, I already read that with Crowley at the helm, it quickly reinvented itself with the beliefs of the Thelemic religion at its core, along with its ideas of free love, debauchery, and sex magic. Now, this term debauchery, I'm getting a little uncomfortable with. Debauchery means all kinds of it's a very generalized term for something. Yeah, an individual doesn't approve of. So simply because he was involved in, I don't know, licking toes. I'm not really sure what he was into. But if somebody else sees that, they're gonna be like, ew, gross debauchery, perhaps. Uh, if they're approved, but if you're not, you're gonna be like, Oh, look at him, he's expressing free love. So there was this idea that they could, through the energy, I think, created with sex, hence there were some orgies done. Oh, yeah. That you could, that there was a certain magic involved in that. There was a certain energy created in that. Uh, I believe they maybe called it Orgon. Because the, have you ever heard Organite? You guys were talking yeah. about it. Um, the, you know, the yeah. pyramids of yes. and stuff. Uh, that came from that. That's what they called it, I believe, is Organ or Organ. Or gone. Yeah. But there's all, you know, prana is another name for it. It's just generating a lot of this energy because they believe, or at least from what I understand, they believe that sex is more than just a physical act. It's a huge energy transfer. Exactly. From both well, parties. Well, if you think about what sex really, it's a very vulnerable thing where, I mean, let's be honest, generally in sex, you're not thinking about a whole lot else. No. So it's full blown concentration, very which is moment. rare especially these days. So if you think about it, it's uh, it's a connection with your body that you don't typically have in a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what's very interesting. So absolutely. I mean, there's all kinds of, uh, you know, I mean, there's so many, there's so many chemical reactions going on in your body during that time as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fascinating how much your body is going through during sex. And a lot of the Eastern religions say that the orgasm is like, uh, is the God, you know, for yeah. a split second and they call death the big orgasm, <laughs> you know, so there's, there's some, something that, to it. With, isn't it interesting how that. cultures interpret different things? Like, look at that. The old, the great orgasm being death. Whereas like our society is like, Oh no, dad, yeah, I don't want to die. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. Imagine the power that gives you in your life to not fear that. Oh, immense power. Yeah. Yeah. Look at the Buddhists. Yeah. Especially the Buddhists and the Hindus. Exactly. Being confident that, oh, this is, this is nothing compared to where I'm going from here. Oh yeah. You know, my energy will be released into the universe in a way that, you know, my body hinders me from, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. So I think, I think in some cultures they look forward to it because they know that there are limitations in this life they won't have after this physical form is, is gone. Yeah. So yeah, very interesting. Um, so this term debauchery, every time it comes up, um, I think I'm going to try and use a different word. Fast forward to 1939. Parsons and his wife, Helen, joined the OTO's Pasadena chapter. Um, so 39, we're, we're going to Jack Parsons. Okay. Um, hold on a second. Hold on a second. We're holding white knuckles. Hold on a second. We're, we're going to look up some facts uh, about Aleister Crowley real quick before we move on back to... Back to uh, uh, Parsons at age 14 Crowley lost his virginity to his family maid is that a true thing I'm pretty sure yeah on his mother's bed his family found out and fired her she became a destitute drunk 
and it was rumored that she later became a victim to Jack the Ripper. Holy shit. At age 23, he joined the Mystical Society, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. He proceeded to offend everyone in the order, including poet W.B. Yeats, and was expelled for deviant and homosexual behavior. I want to take just a moment to talk about CBD. CBD works as a very powerful anti-inflammatory. And I'm sure a lot of you have met someone who's used it or know a family member who's using CBD to relieve pain, anxiety. And the truth is, it does all of those things. Helps relieve pain, reduce and prevent inflammation, as well as relieving anxiety and stress on top of improving quality of life. So if you're looking to try CBD for the first time or get into something new and you want some answers, Clarkston CBD Company is where you want to go. Little plates I help manage uh, as well as educate people as to the benefits and products that can work for them. Check us out online, ClarkstonCBDCo.com. Shop online, reach out on Facebook, Clarkston CBD Company, and back to the show. Oh, not only that. What got him kicked out was uh, he rose through the ranks so fast and people were getting jealous of him. And some kind of quarrel happened with somebody and he locked them all out of the building that they owned and like threw out the key or some shit like that. (laughs) And they also didn't like the fact that he was trying to integrate psychedelics and all sorts of like different things into his practice. Wow. So they're like, oh, no, that's heresy. So he was ahead of his time. Uh, Crowley and one of his concubines established an abbey on the island of Kafulu, Sicily. Here they practiced a wide range of rituals, including fornication with a goat. <laughs> the leading politician at the time, one Benito Mussolini, got wind of these practices and shut down the abbey. In 1930, Crowley faked his own death whilst climbing a rock formation in Portugal. He enjoyed the stories printed in the newspapers at the time and then reappeared in public in Berlin three weeks later. That's hilarious. He's a little bit of a rebel. He did anything to, he did whatever he wanted. Yeah, no shit. Well, that's all. I mean, look, you know. And his original name wasn't Crowley, by the way. Yeah, I had heard that. Yeah, he was born, uh, he was a trust fund baby. Wow. And... Uh, he wanted to get out because he was a very like religiously repressed by the place that he was at. And then he yeah. went over to I believe his uncle or something like that. Uh, and he like experienced fun and freedom for the first time. And he's like, well, fuck it. I'm not this person anymore. And then he yeah. joined the order of the golden dawn. He's like, Oh, I'm Crowley. Alistair Crowley. <laughs> very interesting. Well, uh, you know, the things you could do then with your identity that you can't do now. Oh, it's unfortunate. Completely reinvent yourself <laughs> from place to place. I mean, that was a thing. People would kind of fuck oh, yeah. up, you know, and for, for whatever, it might not have even been something that was like, you know, a victim involved, but they screw over something or they fuck up in some way. They leave an area. They can completely go to another area and reinvent themselves and, and have a new life, good or bad. Um, but I think that was a, a really interesting thing that uh, I... I I don't know anybody now that's living that would even know what that's like. No, I, we're so beyond that now yeah. with technology. You can't, you're not going to be able to get another social security number no. or anything, especially if you're born in the West. Yeah. Exactly. Maybe it'd be easier if you're like more indigenous. Yep. Uh, so apparently there's a story. Um, let's see. Oh, well, he lived with a bunch of people um, in some flat 
with a personal magical tutor uh, named Alan Bennett. Bennett taught Crowley more about ceremonial magic and the ritual use of drugs, and together they performed the rituals of Gotia, also known as Lemigaton Claviculia Salomonis, or simply Lemigaton, anonymous grimoire of demonology. It was compiled in the mid-17th century, mostly from materials a couple of centuries older. And that might be synonymous with the Goetia. Which uh, is like the, oh, that's I'm sure that's how it's pronounced. Is yeah, G O E T I A. Yeah, Goetia. Yeah, I completely pronounce everything oh, wrong good. on the show. That's part of the fun. That's part of the charm. Learning. Experience. I never get things right. Um, until Bennett left for South Asia to study Buddhism, November 1899, Crowley purchased Boleskine House in Foyers, on the shore of Loch Ness in Scotland. Developed a love for Scottish culture. Beautiful. Lived in Mexico, India, Paris. Very experienced and cultured man. Very. Briefly stopping in Japan and Hong Kong, Crowley reached Ceylon, where he met the Alan Bennett. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, he met with him again. Very interesting. So developing the Thelema. Is it that? Thelema. Thelema. See, I'll pronounce everything wrong. In February 1904, Crowley and Rose, uh, his wife at the time, I believe. Oh, was that? No, I don't. I, I don't think know. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. They While on his honeymoon with her. I don't know about his love life too well. He wrote a series of love poems to her. But in February 1904, Crowley and Rose arrived in Cairo claiming to be a prince and princess. They rented an apartment in which Crowley set up a temple room and began invoking ancient Egyptian deities while studying Islamic mysticism and Arabic. According to Crowley's later account, Rose regularly became delirious and informed him, quote, they are waiting for you. March 18th, she explained that, quote, they were the god Horus, and on March 20th proclaimed that the equinox of the gods has come. She led him to a nearby museum where she showed him a 17th century BCE mortuary stell, Steel? Stell? I don't know. Uh, it's derived from Latin is a stone or wooden slab, generally taller than it is wide. Known as the stell of some crazy words, Crowley thought it important that the exhibit's number was 666. The number of the beast in Christian belief and in later years termed, termed the artifact the steel of revealing. So the way I understand that little story yeah. is that they climbed up into a cave or something could do this ritual after being told that they're waiting for you and it was Horace. i didn't mean to say thoth earlier mm. uh but you know he did this thing and she said that she got in contact or something with this god and he's like no i don't believe you so they went to a museum and she pointed out which one and then i think uh a three days or a day after a period of three days he wrote the book of the law it was considered a channeled book and that's where the the religion of Thelema started. Oh, okay. He did okay. debate whether or not he should publish it or not for a long time before he actually did. Hmm. So, let's get into that. The books, right? He had a bunch of them, didn't he? Oh, a fuck ton. Yeah. The Holy Books of Thelema. Does that sound familiar? Uh, Yeah. I think you can call them all holy books. Yeah. Uh, 
Oh, I'm sure he so did. Many. Yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely. Uh, with his old Huge mentor, ego. George Cecil Jones, Crowley continued performing the Abremelin rituals, which are um, taught a system of magic to Abraham of Worms, a Jew in Worms, Germany, presumed to have lived. System of magic from this book. Uh, anyways. Uh, at the Ashdown Park Hotel in Colston, Surrey, Crowley claimed that in doing so, he attained Samadhi, or Union with Godhead thereby marking a turning point in his life. Making heavy use of hashish during these rituals, he wrote an essay on the psychology of hashish, in which he championed the drug as an aid to mysticism. He also claimed to have been contacted once again by Iwas in late October and November 1907. Iwas is his, uh, they call it the HGA, Holy Guardian Angel. Mm. Uh, It's kind of like... You know, have you heard the term your higher self? Yeah. A lot of the new agers will say stuff like that. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's either, he mentions it in his books where he'll say it's either a separate entity or a part of, you know, your own psychology, but not your waking conscious. Very interesting. So, um, apparently these, these. Guardian, you say like guardian angels? It's holy guardian angels. Holy guardian angels yeah. dictated two further texts to him, Liber 7 and Liber Cordis Sinti Serpenti, both of which were later classified in the corpus of the holy books of Thelema. Crowley wrote down more Thelemic holy books during the last two months of the year, including Liber LXVI. I don't even know what that is in Roman. Big number. Yeah. Liber Arcanorum. Liber Portalusis. Anyways, there's a bunch of them with all start with Liber, uh, which he again claimed to have received from a preternal, preternatural source. Preternatural source. What does preternatural mean? That is a term I've not heard. I'm assuming I'm looking it's it up right some now. kind of supernatural. Beyond what is normal or natural. Okay. So pre-natural. Okay. All right. Fair I get enough. it. I get it. <laughs> I just have to look it up, man, because I don't like words I don't know. Crowley stated that in June 1909, when the manuscript of the Book of the Law was rediscovered in Boliskine, he developed the opinion that Thelema presented, represented objective truth. Um, I mean, it got, he was extremely active. I mean, always learning new stuff. Yeah, he was fascinated with all this. Yeah. He wanted Thelema to be the new Christianity. He yeah. was obsessed. So in 1912 to 1914, uh, Crowley published The Book of Lies, a work of mysticism, and that biographer Lawrence Sutton described as, quote, his greatest success in merging his talents as poet, scholar, and magus. The German occultist Theodore Ruiz, Ruiz, something like that, later accused him of publishing some of the secrets of his own occult order, the Ordo Templi Orientis. So Theodore Ruiz... is accredited with founding the the OTO. That's interesting. Yeah. So uh, it says, also known as his neo-gnostic bishop title, uh, crazy long name, was an Anglo-German tantric occultist, Freemason, alleged police agent, journalist, singer, and head of the Ordo Templi Orientis. Very interesting. It's a long title to give yourself. No shit. Imagine trying to explain that to somebody. Yeah. What the fuck? (laughs) What are all those words? Yeah. So Crowley then 
convinced Roos that the similarities were coincidental and the two became friends. Roos appointed Crowley as head of the OTO's British branch, the Mysteria Mystica Maxima, Triple M. And at a ceremony in Berlin, Crowley adopted the magical name the Baphomet and was proclaimed ex Supreme Rex and Sovereign Grand Master General of Ireland, Iona and all the Britons. Britons! With Roos' permission, Crowley set about advertising the Triple M and rewriting many OTO rituals, which were then based largely on Freemasonry. Very interesting. So then he gets to the United States. Uh, he was living hand-to-mouth existence, relying largely on donations from the uh, society members and dues payments to OTO. In May, he transferred ownership of Balaskine House to the Triple M for financial reasons. And in July, he went mountaineering in the Swiss Alps. During this time, the First World War broke out. And after recuperating from a bout of phlebitis, it's inflammation of the vein, Crowley set sail for the United States. Damn, he got around, dude. He got around. He had a lot of money to deal with there. Yeah. For a while. Man, that's crazy, dude. I mean, he ended up in, uh, where did he end up? Let's see. He ended up in Vancouver. He ended up in, by the Grand Canyon, Santa Cruz, Los Angeles, San Diego. Man, he went all over the place, dude. That's crazy. New Orleans, his favorite U.S. city before spending February with evangelical Christian relatives in Titusville, Florida. Very interesting. Oh, so then he moved. That's when he met his Scarlet Woman, Roddy Minor. Um, so the Scarlet Woman thing, that was, a, that was kind of a... He went on a magical retreat in the wilderness of Esopus Island on the Hudson River. He began a translation of the Tao Te Ching. What is that? Uh, it's a divinatory thing. So oh, classic text traditionally credited to the 6th century BC. Yeah, you have a coin, I believe, and you flip the coin, and then it you go to a page. I'm oh. not exactly sure, but it reads out some kind of like weird, you know, it would be like, oh, the table is brown and the ox and pole, or you know, something weird like that, and you kind of develop a, a meaning to whatever question you asked. Huh. There was one example, uh, you know, Tommy Chung, right? Everyone oh, yeah. Knows Tommy Chung. When he was in jail, he had it, and he was fucking around with his roommate with it. And uh, he did something. He was asking, like, oh, why am I here? And it said something like, you're in jail, but it's going to be, like, for the better. And then his buddy just sat there for, like, the rest of the time just in, just like, oh, okay. That's okay, crazy. I deserve it, but I know things will be okay. That's cool. Yeah. Sometimes all you need is reassurance, man. Something bigger than yourself to tell you it's all okay. Um, he later claimed experienced that he experienced past life memories of being Ji Quan, Chinese Taoist who lived in the Eastern Han Dynasty, uh, Pope Alexander the Sixth, <laughs> Alessandro Gagliostro, and he was the alias of occultist Giuseppe Balsamo. And Eliphaz, Jesus, these are some fucking names. Explains why it's so weird. I get it now. Yeah, no <laughs> shit, man. Um, yeah, there's some crazy shit. 
So when the Second World War broke out, Crowley wrote to the Naval Intelligence Division offering his services, but they declined. He associated with a variety of figures in Britain's intelligence community at the time, including Dennis Wheatley. There's a bunch of names that nobody's going to know. And claimed to have been behind the V for Victory sign first used by the BBC. This has never been proven. In 1940, his asthma worsened, and with his German-produced medication unavailable, he returned to using heroin, once again becoming addicted. As the Blitz hit London, Crowley relocated to Torquay, Torquay, which is a seaside town in Devon, England, where he was briefly hospitalized with asthma and entertained himself with visits to the local chess club. Tiring of Torquay, he returned to London, where he was visited by American Thelemite Grady McMurdy, to whom Crowley awarded the title of Hymenus Alpha. He stipulated that though Germer, anyways, it goes into a whole bunch of stuff about, um, you know, what he had to do for the OTO. So basically, he had to, uh, he was his immediate successor. Uh, and after his death, um, he took on initiate Lady Frida Harris. Crowley developed plans to produce a tarot card set designed by him and painted by Harris. Accompanying this was a book published in a limited edition, The Book of Throth. Thoth. Yeah, they're beautiful Oh, Thoth, cards. not R. If yeah. you ever get a chance, you should look. They're beautiful cards. Are they? Yeah. That's cool. There's a lot of weird, like, esoteric meanings on them, but they're, they're gorgeous. Oh, I bet. If he had anything to do with it. To aid the war effort, he wrote a proclamation, a proclamation on the rights of humanity, Lieber Oz, and a poem for the liberation of France. That's one of his most famous uh, writings. Very interesting. Crowley's final publication during his lifetime was a book of poetry, Allah, an anthology of 60 years of song. Another of his projects, Alistair Explains Everything, was posthumously published as Magic Without Tears. In four, April 44, Crowley briefly moved to Aston Clinton in Buckinghamshire, where he was visited by the poet Nancy Cunard. I mean, it just goes into more of his connections. So, 1947, Alistair died, or Crowley died at Netherwood of chronic bronchitis aggravated by pleurisy and myocardial degeneration at age 72. His funeral was held at Brighton Crematorium on December 5th. About a dozen people attended, and Lewis Wilkinson read excerpts from the Gnostic Mass, the Book of the Law, and Hymn to Pan. The funeral generated press controversy and was labeled a black mass by the tabloids. Crowley's body was cremated. His ashes were sent to Carl Germer in the U.S., who buried them in his garden in Hampton, New Jersey. So that's where Crowley resides now, Hampton, New Jersey. I didn't touch upon it, but he did have a child when he was getting up older. And at that point, he finally decided that, like, oh, now I understand the meaning of life. Yeah. After he had his kid. I don't know what his kid's up to anymore, or who knows if he's even still around, or his kid's kids. Yeah. I've lost a time. Oh, yeah. As far as I know. Oh, you know it. Well, let's dig into a little bit about his beliefs and thoughts, because that's really kind of his timeline of similar where he got. And, and the reason why we're going so much into Crowley is because you really have to know about Aleister Crowley and kind of how he came up to know why Jack Parsons was so into this, you know, like beyond into it. Like he was, he was fucking into it. Oh yeah. They were, they were both obsessed. They oh were yeah. A little crazed. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. 
So Crowley's belief system, Thelema, has been described by scholars as a religion and more specifically as both a new religious movement and as a magico-religious doctrine. It's also been characterized as a form of esotericism and modern paganism. Although holding the Book of the Law, which was composed in 1904 as its central text, Thelema took shape as a complete system in the years after 1904. In his autobiography, Crowley claimed that his purpose in life had been to bring Oriental wisdom to Europe and to restore paganism in a purer form, although what he meant by paganism was unclear. Uh, I'm not sure it was quite paganism in the way that we think of it. Yeah. I think it was more like there's one supreme consciousness or like God, you know, that goes through all things but divides itself into different ways like demigods or, you know, Thoth, all the other gods that he was intermingling with yep well and if you're if you're listening and you're wondering why the fuck are they talking about this shit on a ufo show (laughs) let me tell you okay because it's all connected oh it's all connected way more connected than you give it credit absolutely so if you you know you can go the range of theories you know ufo theory where they're extraterrestrials from ancient or or other planets that have traveled to us um and, and are now in our, our universe and solar system and interacting with us. You can believe that. You can believe that they are interdimensional, meaning that they travel here from other dimensions of their own will and power and all that stuff. However, there is this occult side of it that says that all of these things, or there's variations of theories that say that all things paranormal, all things of this come from this occult these occult beliefs that have been kind of summoned in ways from in history. Yeah. Yeah. And that our world is just saturated by these portals and these, these uh, gateways and access points to other dimensions and parallel universes. And even in some cases, what people think the underworld Mm -hmm. um, as well as a heaven. Yeah. And a lot of the religions too, that are maybe a little bit bastardized today came from a similar Absolutely. Uh, you know, group of beliefs. Absolutely. But like you said, it's been changed and twisted and, and fit um, to or yeah, or made to culture, fit. Right? Absolutely. The masses that want and need it to be utilized for control. Um, and it's really no longer about the individual. No. You know, it's really about the masses and what they believe and that they believe what everyone else believes. Um but anyway, so yeah, like you said, I mean, paganism. This uh, that's another term. There's a there's all these terms like debauchery, paganism. That yeah. well, what what happens is is people have this weird feeling because they've heard of paganism as this odd, not good thing. The truth is, is that it's it's well, you you know more than well, I yeah, do. Yeah, the the word paganism isn't even what they would have called themselves back uh, in. You know, they were doing it in Ireland and Scotland, all these other places, you know. Uh, that was used as a way to demonize it by the Christian churches, not exactly. to, like, hate on the Christians, but, you know. Yeah, uh, oh, they, well, and let's be honest, <laughs> old world Christians oh, were absolute ruthless. brutal motherfuckers. Oh, it was awful. It was you believe what we believe or you die. Yeah. Period. Awful ways. Period. But as a way to demonize it, as a way to be like, oh, you're a pagan, you know. Yeah. It's, it's kind of uh, how we could consider... 
Oh, what's what's a good like? Well, the hippie culture. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Well, because look, you think of pagans in a way of it was all about nature, is about loving the world and loving each other, and really, I mean, deep down yeah. in an old world way, but that's really what it was. Mm-hmm. And you take the hippie movement, and it was all about nature, loving each other, exploring humanity. I mean, that's what it was all about, and, and even that was demonized. Absolutely. And why was it demonized? Because control. You know, absolutely. So, so same thing, you know, you know, we talked before about, you know, putting individuals into these boxes and this is the exact same thing. So there are these words that are given negative connotations for a reason. They don't want you to be comfortable with them because they don't want you to explore them because they want you to be like, yeah, it's a squishy word for me. I'm just not going to go there, you know? Exactly. So, um, but the truth is, is that it was a very innocent way of looking at the world, um, which, as you said very well, has been bastardized. Um, so anyways, Crowley's thought was not always cohesive. It was influenced by a variety of sources, ranging from Eastern religious movements, practices like Hindu yoga and Buddhism, scientific naturalism, and various currents within Western esotericism, which we went into that before. Um, among like ceremonial magic, alchemy, astrology, um, what is this? Rosencrucianism. That is like uh, Christian mysticism. Yeah. Spiritual and cultural movement that arose in Europe in the early 17th century after the publication of several texts that purported to announce the existence of a hitherto unknown esoteric order to the world and made seeking its knowledge attractive. Mm. You got a lot of stuff from that. There's a there's a series of three rituals that you kind of learn if you start to do uh, the Golden Dawn stuff and the Thelema. And it's the pentagram, it's the hexagram, and then the uh, Rosicrucian, they call it the Rose Cross ritual. And it's it very intertwined, very, very much. Very interesting. Um, so it goes into more about that. I mean, this is all Wikipedia stuff. You can go look any of this up on Wikipedia you want, but... Um, Crowley believed in the objective existence of magic, which he chose to spell magic with a K, an older archaic spelling of the world. He uh, word he provided various different definitions of this term over his career. In his book Magic in Theory and Practice, Crowley defined magic as quote the science and art of causing change to occur in conformity with will. You know that is fascinating to me because me and Mike have talked a lot about. The idea that, you know, these ancient civilizations, our ancient ancestors, had a connection to the earth and its properties and everything around us in a way that we don't know because we're distracted yeah, by very, the world like, around uh, us. Graham Hancock. That's very yes, much what he talks exactly. about a lot. Yes. And so this idea that, you know, what we think of as magic was simply the ability to control the world around you. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. And I've told Mike, you know, I've said, look, to me, it's it's very simple, which is that you have an individual who has spent their entire life trying to understand the relationship of everything between me and that thing. Mm-hmm. the What surrounds it, what makes up that thing, everything. So if you understand or at least have a relationship or understand the relationship in all these things and how it's connected with your own energy, then the idea is that you could manipulate that relationship, therefore manipulating the world around you. 
And who knows the possibilities of that? Who knows the power behind that? Now, when I think of this, I think of me picking up a little thing and being like, oh, look, I'm floating it. But then also you think of, okay, we'll put that into a functional form. The pyramids, Mm -hmm. these gigantic structures. Now you also add in known science, known science of vibration and frequency. Okay, they they absolutely have frequency levitation. Have you seen this? Yes. Uh, One of the, just go off that, um, there's a thing in Buddhism, it's like an old scripture where they literally have, it's like an old drawing where they would sit there and hum or like own different yes. frequencies and have things like float or push. And it's, you know, it's myth as everything is anymore. But I mean, who's to say it wasn't real? Well, there are, there. word is there are monks around, I believe it's India. Probably the Himalayas up there. That the, legitimately can levitate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, legitimately i mean it's not like they can float around and like move around and, but during during intense meditation which they do for days almost their whole days life. yeah well at least in one session you know it's like they do these incredible intense concentration sessions in which all these things are happening i was talking to a guy about how and i can't remember the name of the 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 uh culture in the group but um they like hang and suspend from tapestries and swing around. And it's all about, um, oh, and it's after ingesting cannabis. Oh. And what they do is they swing around and they move around and it's all about invoking the spirit. And it's through this intense meditation and cannabis is a big part of that. Now, in the India countries over there, Middle East countries, marijuana and cannabis is very, very different oh, than yeah. it is in the States. It is a... Holy. It's, well, holy absolutely. It's India much more holy sure. and it's much more resinous because they're not necessarily harvesting it like we do for like resale and things like that. They're just kind of letting the plant go and then they utilize it as they want. Um, so it's a very different thing. It's very stringy. Um, it's very tall in some places, but it's incredibly resinous. Um, anyways, very interesting stuff. But uh, so that's so in my opinion, that's what magic is, is magic is your mind being able to manipulate the relationship between itself and everything else around you. Yeah. And the fact that we can't see a physical thing reaching out and manipulating that to us, it's magic. Well, here's the problem we have is we want perfect knowledge, but we're limited by our senses. Completely. You have five or six senses, whatever you want to believe. And that's like an ant, you know, an ant sitting here on the table. It doesn't know what we are because it can't really perceive what we are. So who knows what we can't perceive right now. And a lot of the stuff with magic. Oh, sorry. No, you're (laughs) good. Caffeine's getting me shaky. Yeah, Uh, man. (laughs) Good stuff. Um, The problem we have with magic here in the West is we sit here and we have these Hollywood movies that kind of tell us what magic may or may not be. Yeah. So we're sitting here watching Harry Potter or like, you know, there's a myriad of occult shows. I don't know anything about those, but you know, they make it look very theatrical, very like, Oh, things are glowing. And I say these words and like stuff comes out of my wand. And as far as I'm concerned and from what I've understood, it doesn't really work like that. You know, it's not because you're not picking it up with your physical senses. Exactly. Maybe if you're a mystic, 
you know, like an Indian mystic, you know, or Buddhist monk who's been sitting there doing it for years. Maybe you could like perceive that because you have attuned yourself to those kind of frequencies or whatever. Yeah. But over here in the West, we don't have a, a tradition or anything that gets you in line unless you're doing these things. And even when you are doing these things, you're not seeing these with your physical eyes. A lot of it is your imagination. And we're so quick to not like take or let me rephrase this. We're so quick to think the imagination is just, oh, it's just a product of the mind. Yeah. But what isn't a product of the mind? You know, you're getting all of these sensory inputs and then your mind builds up a story and an image and a sound in your head. So you're not actually getting anything objective from your normal life. And it's... I mean, think about reality itself is, in a sense, your imagination at work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know... Like you, you know, there's a great simplistic way of breaking this down. When you, you can hold up a blue and a red crayon, okay? And people are going to tell you that the color is blue. And when you ask them why that's blue, they're going to tell you, well, because it's blue. Yeah. And they, the true answer is it's blue because you've been told that's blue. Yeah. That the, like that. The theory. other crayon is red because you've been told that's red. Mm-hmm. What if blue is actually green? What if red is actually purple? Yeah, we're all but we've been, So a, like, you can get real deep into the weeds with this, but the idea is simply that, like you had said, our entire perception of reality is based on what is fed to us as what reality should be. But reality is whatever reality is. It just is. It just is. In <laughs> fact... There are many people that say reality is a DMT experience. Many people say that's real reality. This is just a dream. Yeah, exactly. What you're in right now is simply your mind creating everything around you. And it's amazing when you think about, well, then why is it that me and you, Damon, believe that there's a table here at the same time? Because we're both involved in the exact same thinking. Yeah, it's a collective hallucination. Exactly. And that fascinates me. And then, so to me, that concept that we are in, uh, our entire reality is based on, you know, not our own perception, but others, that if you had a, back in the old world, if your reality was simply reality, then what your mind is capable of, who knows? Who knows? Because we have no sense of real reality. No. So... To me, the connection with the world and all of its elements, that's the real reality. And we have no idea. We can't even comprehend. That's how limited we are. We can't even comprehend how they could have put these pyramids together. In fact, we've been struggling with this for hundreds of years trying to figure that out. And we can't comprehend, except for people like Graham Hancock who say, there's more to work at here than the average human mind. Yeah, there's a lot more going Completely. on. And, and, you know, I'm certainly not one, I would love to believe that aliens came down and assisted us in building giant stone tents. However, um, I think it's simpler than that. I think it's simply that we had a reign on our environment and our world that, uh, that us as humans now, thousands of years later, cannot even begin to comprehend, let alone understand. Yeah, and hell, it could have been aliens. We could have just been hanging out with them, you know. Dude, who, that could have been what the god. That's anymore. the entire ancient th- yeah. astronaut theory is that they the the gods that they refer to were actually alien beings that came down and assisted humans. Or fuck it, maybe they were gods, dude. You know? 
Maybe they, well, certainly they would be if they had technology. I mean, really, if you think, what is a God? A God is any, it, really, if you look at the, the being, it's, or the meaning, it's any deity or being that has complete control and be, belief from, from other people. And it's transcendental. Absolutely. You know? So, I mean, so they would be gods. Oh, yeah. Period. I mean, like, you know, like you had said about the ant, Maybe we're gods to ants. Clearly, we're not gods to each other. Yeah, if you sit there you and know? blow on an ant, the ant yeah. is like, what the fuck is going exactly. on? Where is this wind coming from? God's mad at me. Yeah. You know, yeah. It has no, no conceptualization of exactly. what is happening. Like you said, that's small. So, you know, I love, so Mike has a theory. We we kind of, we bounce around theories every once in a while. Mike has miss a theory. You, Mike. What? Yeah, I know. <laughs> we, we miss you, Mike. You know, you can't see us right now. I mean, anytime, but you know, because we can't see you, it's disconcerting. Uh, so we're just as blind as you are right now. Um, <laughs> uh, shit. Uh, it, it is the, um, damn it. I completely lost where I was going. You're in Mike's theory. Oh, yes. The snot theory. Mike's snot theory is that we are all, so an alien has sneezed on the wall on accident, sneezed, snot went on the wall and our entire existence as the human species is until that alien goes and wipes us off the wall. Totally probable. Totally. See, the deal is if you, we sit here and think we know everything, but the second you're like, well, well maybe that opens up so many possibilities. So many. So it, who's to say we're not just Absolutely. bacteria. That's that's the beautiful thing about theories. Yeah. Bacteria. How do bacteria know they're just bacteria? They get a whole universe yeah, in there. They have a whole colony. You Completely. Know, sitting there doing shit. Yeah. And, they have no no idea. It's amazing. It's amazing. You know, and we love to sit there and be like, oh, yeah, wouldn't it be funny amoebas with a nine to five? You know, that's not <laughs> just because our world is that does not mean that to be a civilization in a world that that's what you got to have employment. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's another thing that we struggle with is we think everything's got to be like us. So yeah. if aliens, you know, I'm, I agree that they exist, but. You know, if aliens do exist, we're going to instantly assume that they're like us. We're like, oh, how is your job? You know, yeah. like, how is, you know, do you guys build things? We're like, what if they're, you know, the the Vedas, which are like ancient scriptures of the Hindus, say that there's life on the sun, but it's not like our life, how, exactly. how we think of it, you know? Exactly. Who's to say? Well, yeah, because that's be what like they us. always say. There's no way life can exist on the sun. Like, well, yeah, clearly yeah. not carbon-based life, life forms. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but what if there are other things that live that can survive? They in fact they require extreme heat. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we have and they couldn't the survive the on Earth. You know, so yeah, I mean that's. Anyways, it's yeah, it's it's all over the place. So certainly, I think the concept of magic, like you had said, is put into this snappy, um, trendy way of thinking about magic, which is. Uh, you know, Expelliarmus, you know, and things yeah. like that, you know, and, and, sh and yeah, and pointing wooden <laughs> sticks at people. Whereas, like you had said, look, all of magic is the power of the mind. It, it, I, I would argue that the body plays very little, if any part at all. Yeah. Aside from being a conduit for your mind. So why would you be needing a wand to be a conduit for your mind you when your wand. body is? So, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's certain certain ones like I like the idea of magic, like like uh, the Star Wars way, which is that they pull from the force, which is available to everyone. It's just an energy in the universe 
that binds everyone together that if you focus enough, you can actually utilize. Yeah. And therefore, your body is the extension of that power. Kind of therefore, like Sith lightning, hence force push, where you're not actually utilizing a tool. You are the tool, douchebag. But... um. That's what I mean. So I like that. And lightsabers is simply like super cool weapons that they use to no, be yeah, badasses. The, you know? the force, like everything you're just saying, is kind of in a way like how Crowley used to see it, or at yep. least how he wrote about it, because he would say stuff like, you do these things and things will happen. Yep. Right? It's it's not like, I totally lost train of thought there. But yeah, you, you do a certain amount of things in a specific way and they will have results. Yep. Whether that be from the mind or you know t- tapping into an ether or yep. something, it's it's all it's going to happen regardless. Well, and even to give it a more broad way is is the universe provides. Yeah, put it out to the universe with all your heart, and the universe will answer. Simple as that. And you know, I tell people this all the time. I get into conversations with people about you know spirituality and all kinds of things. Says so I'm very open to what. Hey, whatever. Um, as long as what you believe makes you happy and doesn't hurt anybody else, fucking go for it, you know. But um, I, you know, as soon as people start talking about God and Jesus, I say, you know, I do believe in energy, and I believe that you can put any label you want on it, but the relationship is the same. Yeah, that we are all made up of energy. So people that believe that are Christians and believe in God and Jesus and all that believe that heaven is in them. Mm-hmm. That's energy. Hell. So it's, it's all the same. We're all saying the same thing, whether you're Buddhist, whether you're Catholic, whether you're Baptist, reg- even if you're atheist, yeah, I bet you, you lens. still believe in energy. Yeah. It's all okay? just a different lens to look at it. Exactly. So once again, it goes back to putting people and things and beliefs into these little boxes and they don't dare come out of those boxes unless, uh, but now if it comes out of that box, it's no longer this thing. Yeah. It's heresy. It's exactly. Awful. Exactly. And so just to, to say something with what Jesus said, Jesus yeah. said, you can do everything I can do if not more. And he was referring to the time he brought the lady back from the dead, the time he walked on water, the time he turned the dove into bread, you know, all these, maybe that wasn't Jesus. Maybe that was God. But, <laughs> uh, he even said this stuff. Yeah. You know, so people are so quick to be like, no, no, only Jesus. Or, you know, not trying to spread any hate. No, absolutely. Just, but that's exactly what it is, is that you are forcing your label onto something else. You know, I like it like this. It's, um, <laughs> we all have a ham sandwich. Okay. We're all holding a ham sandwich. What kind of label, what you want to call that ham sandwich? You can call it whatever you want. You turkey can call sandwich. it, a, you know, yeah, turkey <laughs> sandwich, whatever you want. Um, it's still a sandwich, you know? It's still going to give you sustenance. It's still going to make you feel full. It's still going to make you feel happy and nourished. So why does it matter what that individual is calling that ham sandwich? What does it, it matter it to your ham sandwich? Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't change your ham sandwich. So I've always liked the idea that People that believe in something, I respect that. It takes commitment. So I respect that, you know? Um, I don't believe in any one thing because I think I like to believe in the possibilities of everything. That's that's where I like to reside. I think it's fun to just say, because to me, to believe in any one thing means you can't believe in something else. 
And so that's why I, I would prefer to just say, I don't know what I believe, but I like to contemplate the possibilities of everything, the possibilities of ancient world magic and, and then the science, which we're going to get into, I promise, <laughs> but the science now coming into that magic and making it functional magic. Yeah. Like to me, that's incredible. And a lot um, of, just to, just to like get into the science, a lot of people say that um, the magic and stuff or whatever you're going to call it is just a science we haven't figured out yet. Yes, exactly. Well, I mean, look at, you know, fuck Jack Parsons. If we don't get into that, fuck him. He wasn't important enough anyways. But let me just say this. There have been numerous people that have come out, and you can call them disinformation agents. I really don't know. I think there's a lot more going on here than we realize for disclosure and all that shit. Oh, yeah. Um, and these these military people that are coming forward, you have some people that, that get the, get killed and silenced, and you have others that make a career out of whistleblowing. Quote, I'm doing big air quotes here. Um, and that I don't understand. Because if you have a whistleblower that dies and then you have a whistleblower that makes money from doing that, well, he's not really whistleblowing. He's he's kind of yeah. tooting somebody else's horn, right? He's kind of tooting the horn they give him. It's kind of like with journalists. Like, uh, dude, a for real. for good journalism is a bullet. <laughs> you know? ah, dude, that is some hard truth right there, man. Well, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, that is some hard truth. And that that's that's a very important fact in, in a lot of this... Dude, look, let's move right into the disclosure event that we're going through, which is how much of this do we believe and how much do we don't? You have a government that has seemingly been attempting to keep cover up these things, this technology and and potential relationship with extraterrestrials or at least the existence of extraterrestrials been doing everything they can to cover up and discredit those that have come forward with any amount of evidence. So it makes me worried. I'm excited too, but it also makes me worried for why are they all of a sudden pushing so much? Like, yeah. dude, every day, NBC is talking about it. ABC is talking about it. The Pentagon is fucking talking about it. They're, they're almost every week on the news there's somebody a news story of some government official here's the thing since the 90s government officials since before that government officials have been coming forward why is it now all of a sudden newsworthy man anytime the government works with the media to push a narrative always skeptical dude you know it could be that they're just like all right they're finally fucking ready like they, you know We've yeah. given them enough because, you know, they give us weird little things every once totally. in a while. Like the yeah. tic-tac was, the you know, that was a yeah. thing for yeah. a while. But And I believe the pilots over together. the government on that one. Oh, for the sure. If you listen to the pilot's testimonials. God, what was his these, name? He's so uh, David, David Favor. Favor. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he did, uh, God, what was the podcast name? He did a one with some guy. Lex uh, yes. Friedman. Yes, Lex, yeah. Lex Friedman podcast. Amazing. Yeah, that was Like three one. hours, three and a half hours, some shit oh. of just talking about the jet the 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 yeah, mechanics of it the physics it. of it yeah so good. broke it down well joe rogan does a pretty good episode i don't like joe rogan just because i think it's a tool bag but um i love you joe sorry he <laughs> loves joe hey look i'm not saying anything against it. if you like him you like him for me i'm some of his things i'm against oh yeah don't agree uh, with him. so that's my that's my thing but um uh and i don't like how much he fact checks 
people he doesn't like or that he wants to. Yeah. Like I've seen him. Great example is Kanye. Uh, he <laughs> had Kanye on where he episode. didn't he didn't fact check a single motherfucking thing that guy said. They didn't Google shit. Can you fact check Kanye though? No, you shouldn't. But you shouldn't <laughs> fact check Alex Jones either. No, fuck no. Fuck no. But he did. He literally fact checked every single thing Alex Jones said. Every single thing and let then let Spotify delete the episode. Oh, that, yeah, that's upsetting. Yeah, so it's fuck not, you, Joe. Anyways, anymore. that's all I'm saying is like, look, man, you, you know, you <laughs> claim to be unbiased. There. You claim to be all about the truth. But then you're, you know, like you kind of you disappoint me a little bit, which I'm nobody. Fuck me. But I'm just saying, you know, in my personal opinion, Joe, I think as a podcaster, you should just fucking let freedom ring motherfucker just let people's freak flag fly but hey guess what don't and they can all come on ufo no show because that's what we do anyways but rogan this is a call out to hop on yeah man i mean he's just kind of oh fuck me uh he's just kind of too too gotta be factual there's no allowance for speculation like i was really disappointed in him and dan Aykroyd's episode i thought he was a little disrespectful anyways Dude, Dan Aykroyd, if you came on my show, holy shit, bro. I'd listen the fuck out of that. My episode. God, I would treat you like a God because I, you just, you are amazing. I mean, Dan Aykroyd, please come on my show. Well, uh, we were on Disclosure, right? I, I totally yeah. forgot what Yeah, we Disclosure, at. exactly. So, <laughs> um, so you know, it makes me leery for this government that's, that's now just totally gung-ho UFO. Oh, well, we renamed UAP, so now we're completely open to give you everything we have. And then now you have this, you know, disclosure that was fit into the relief bill right before Trump left um, that they had 180 days for to disclose what they knew about UFOs. And I think we're past that now. We're past. It was supposed actually it's supposed to be the end of this month. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And or somewhere around there. But like I said, what makes me curious is that you have a history of of a society that has continued oh excuse me to shut people down for alternative thinking i mean look at look at uh people that have come up with alternative transportation Mm -hmm. to eliminate fuel um in some cases i mean it can't be confirmed that they got killed but they're certainly not around anymore. There was a guy that made an engine that ran on fucking water. Yeah, that's my favorite example. And then he's just gone. Poof, gone. So, I mean, you know, so why is it now all of a sudden? Why is it now all of a sudden? I think there's more in store for us than totally. just the disclosure. So let's speculate a little bit about disclosure, shall we? Yes, so here's, here's what I think is going on. So you've got SpaceX who is saving the government billions of dollars on reusable resources. They're probably okay? in bed together though. Oh, you know, oh dude. They have to be. Dude, SpaceX literally built the military an an advanced GPS. They're not only in bed, but like I I have no doubt like Elon Musk wouldn't be able to do what he's doing without government approval. Period. You if you tell me right now that the average civilian can just launch a rocket into space and they're going to let you? Oh, I mean, they fucking might. They might. might be able to. But if you look at the, the commonality of all these individuals that have launched into space, what do they have, all have in common? Corporate funding. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you have in common with corporate? Government. Tax breaks. I mean, dude, now you've got 
now you've got Elon Musk. And not, look, I'm not saying anything against Elon Musk. I think he's a pioneer. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, I, think, I think if there's anybody to get us into the technology age, which we absolutely need to be in, it's going to be Elon Musk. However, as we said in the beginning, good people can have good things, good intentions that are taken and used for bad things. So here's what I'm saying is I'm saying that you have a private industry. You got Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, not to mention the, all the other government contractors that we don't know are in space. Okay. Which how you're telling me Lockheed Martin isn't in space. Come on. Who knows? Dude, I'm telling you, they gotta be. So, what I'm telling you is this. The fact that we have Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos going to space means it is easy enough for anyone to do. They've gotten to the point where they they are in space now to make it feasible for people like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk to get there. And now having reusable resources, they have even more reason to let them do that. Because now they're doing all the testing for them. And then they give Jeff Bezos like $100 million or something to oh. get into space. Or- oh, maybe. I have no idea. Did they? I think I think there was something like that. But then there was a controversy that he spent like uh, like an 80% of that on something else. I, I don't know the whole story. Saw it on Reddit. Don't fucking trust half the shit you see on Reddit. <laughs> In half. Maybe less. Um, let's see. Money... For space flight, I'll put in that. I just got to know. Oh, they auctioned a bunch of stuff off. Oh, I see. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah, they auctioned off flights for $28 million per ticket. Jesus. So that's how they're funding a lot of that. Well, I mean, look at uh, look at Elon Musk even. He did... Uh, a thing where you had to go on and donate to St. Jude's and it, I mean, they said, Oh, any amount gives you a ticket, certain amounts, you know, you could get a ticket, but it was like $10,000 got you 500 tickets in. And, you know, so there were people that donated millions of dollars that they weren't even like, yeah, prove it's a pay to win. Oh yeah. So <laughs> what happens is is you during the, they would pick four civilian crew to be the first all civilian crew to go to space and that's in October for Elon, for uh, October? Yep. Oh my god. For SpaceX, yep. Um one of them's uh a mil- of course one of them's a billionaire. Oh, you know. Naturally. Um but uh I can't remember who he is. I want to say he's one of the PayPal guys. Tell you what, there's no poor people hopping on that thing. Oh, hell no. No, that doesn't get publicity. Well, we've got John. He works at Rite Aid, and it looks like (laughs) he's got a front row seat to the Crew Dragon, and he's going to the ISS. He's super stoked. He's got his, uh, what is that? That's an RC Cola and a koozie. Yep, and what does this koozie say? Oh, it says, here we come, Alabama. Right on. (laughs) <laughs> he's got an i love boobs wristband <laughs> <laughs> oh my god fuck yeah he does you know he does <laughs> oh my god that's hilarious i love boobs wristband fuck yeah he does um so to me it's it i think the disclosure movement is this when you have it it's the band-aid effect Okay, 
except in this case they're trying to they're trying to ease it up. So instead of ripping it off like a band-aid where everybody's shocked when they're like, "Oh, we're in space. Oh, we have this. Oh, we're mining the moon. Oh, we we're mining asteroids. Oh, we have this and that and this." Instead, they're doing all these incredible things. Like, look, the SpaceX launch. The fact that his two rocket boosters came down simultaneously and landed on their own. Okay? No guidance, no, nobody piloting them. It was all self-guidance. Simultaneously. It was beautiful. Okay? That's some advanced shit. Advanced shit. The fact that they're doing those like every other week is telling you they're desensitizing people to advanced shit. Mm-hmm. So now you look at people's response to UFOs. Yeah. Not that big of a deal. People are like, meh. Yeah, well, I'm sure. It's kind of, it's go weird. Back, go back what, like 30, 40 years? People are like, ah, oh, there's no such thing as Dude, aliens. not even that. 10 years. Really? You think so? Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Look, 10 years ago, there was nothing in the news. Nothing in the news about UFOs. Every once in a while, you'd have a little news story that would come out saying, well, so-and-so Farmer John said this, and that's it. It never went mainstream. It never went bigger than that. I, I would argue, bef- I mean, maybe you're right, 20, 30 years prior to the internet, certainly. Oh, yeah. You didn't have nearly this. But even with the internet, dude, even before that, you didn't have government agencies talking about UFOs. You didn't have, you didn't have, you certainly didn't have ABC and NBC coming out with saying, oh, look, David Fravor, pilot, talks about a UFO that went from one foot above the water to 60,000 feet in less than a second. No way, man. No way. So even 10 years ago, we didn't have this. So now what you have is you have them using our environment. Like you said, they manipulate everything we see to get us primed for what they want to give us yeah the predictive programming and yeah i know that's that gets wrapped up in all sorts of like q on creepy weird shit but like it, how is it not a thing yes you know it i mean it's been going on since so before mk ultra oh yeah yeah completely right. mockingbird right exactly yep we're talking back to the 30s i mean look if you look at america's propaganda where did they get it from guess what oh yeah nazis i went there mm-hmm I'm telling you, I always bring up Nazis. I love it. And, and, I don't love Nazis. I just love talking about Nazis because of the fact that it fascinates me that, that it's all connected. Yeah. You can almost you can almost draw a line from all these conspiracies back to the Nazi regime, back to Hitler and how his occult fascination. Oh, dude, he has some fucking weird shit. Crazy going on. shit. Yep. So once again, Aleister Crowley. Jack Parsons, which we're not going to talk about, but all these things are connected. I'm going to hit on the uh, Hitler thing real quick. Do it. So, you know, the Hitler, Hitlerism kind of had this idea, belief that what well, we all know about the Aryans, you know, but if you dive deeper into it, there's kind of like all these different sections on the earth that have, you know, their own God or I'm not totally sure about this, but um, so they all have their own individual thing and the Aryans he claimed to be the best. And now fast forward to what is kind of starting to develop now. And I hate to shit on these people because I totally was one. You know, like the new age spiritual people like, oh, I got my crystals and all that stuff. Um, and they have the same roots. It all goes back to Hitlerism. And like, you know, the love and light. I don't know if you're familiar with this. Mm-hmm. 
uh, there's this big YouTube channel called Spirit Science, and I'm not, I, I enjoyed their stuff growing up when I was younger, but it's a kind of getting a little culty now. Mm. It's, it's still like information kind of empowering the individual. But if you go back, it kind of has roots in the Hitlerism. And with the predictive programming stuff we were just talking about, I think that it could possibly be some kind of uh, psyops mission. Oh, yeah. You know, and you have people like Obama saying that, oh, if there are aliens that come down, there could be new religions that form. Like, what a coincidence that, like, this whole new kind of internet-based religion that's starting up right now is all connected to your higher self, crystals, aliens, UFOs. You know, it's... It's really strange that it's all kind of coming together the way it is all at the same time. You got your religious, you got your scientific stuff, button heads forever. And then they're like, oh, hey, actually, we're the same thing all of a sudden, but we're just talking about aliens now, you know? So what is that? What does that mean? That means a one world religion, one world government. And guess what that is? That's Project fucking Bluebeam Uh right there. Project Bluebeam back in 94... I believe his name was Serge Manist. Was this confirmed to be a real thing or was it just some uh, like document? Because I never, I never... Well, he um, claims to have... And, and he has a book, I believe, that he put out that claims that he saw this plan by NASA um, that called for these seven false flags. and it Or maybe, was it seven or four? I think it was four. And it was, yeah, it was four because it was communism, terrorism, world, global virus, alien invasion. Warner Von Braun also spoke of this in the 70s to his nurse right before he died, saying that they are planning all these false flags to introduce a one world religion. Here's why. All these different beliefs don't serve the greater powers to be is because when everybody believes something different, they can't always get you to believe what they want you to believe. So if they are pulling everyone out of their cultural comfort zone and putting them into this idea that maybe your beliefs that you've held for this long don't matter anymore that maybe we need to evolve into something greater. Uh-huh. Now it's setting the stage for this. So then, so now what you have is this. You have a population that is now somewhat desensitized, I would say, to the idea of aliens and UFOs because now it's being talked about in mainstream media. Okay. And Hollywood has also told us that they're going to be evil. Oh, know? yeah, for they're a very long time, very, very long time. Then you also have the setting that these old world religions and cultures and beliefs no longer serve the greater good. That now, oh, it's too divisive. Mm -hmm. Okay, one world religion. So then you have government, which is what they're trying to do right now. Look, it's it shouldn't be about what the your individual freedoms. It shouldn't be about what the states individually want. It should be about one global government. And they're also trying to remove currency. Yeah. They're, they're trying to coin, remove currency. They're trying to... shortage that happened yep. earlier this year, uh, so, 2020. All these things lead towards the concept of a one centralized thing being government and religion. 
So now when you have that, you have everything in place for when they do put together something like a Project Blue, Blue Beam, where either they get the remainders, because clearly you're not going to have everyone on board with this, okay? Mm-mm. Clearly. You're going to have the diehards that believe what they believe, and there's nothing swaying them. So that's when Project Blue Beam comes to be, which is where they, in my opinion, they're going to, you know, through, through Starlink, which right now Starlink is being touted as the world's best internet, um, and it's going to be the Starlink constellation of about 62,000 satellites. Each satellite covers a span of about 10 square miles. There's 62,000 of them. So now you do the math and tell me that you couldn't cover the globe and with what we know of holographic technology project into each region its own religious prophecy fulfilled. I mean, it's plausible. It's plausible. They had a hologram of Tupac. Exactly. Oh, not only that, but the things that the Japanese are doing with drones, it's unreal, man. They had this thing. I don't know if you saw it on, on YouTube, but they had this video of them having a dragon form in the middle of the sky, gigantic fire dragon form in the middle of the sky and come swooping down into the arena. It was unreal, dude. Unreal. It's unreal. Uh, I want to say it was Japanese holographic dragon, some shit like that. Anyways, look this up, people. I'm telling you it's a thing. And like you said, the holographic image of Tupac, they can do this. There's no doubt they can do this. Now, here's the other thing. Here's another theory that ties this all in, is that what we see, you have an incident a while back, um, I want to say 2011, of... In China, them seeing a floating city. Yes. Uh, so there was a lot of skepticism around mm-hmm. it. And I kind of believe the skepticism because you know how um, you know light reacts with water. Correct. And I believe the place it was taken was there was a city Correct. that was behind all the fog. And the, the way the sun was setting or something reflected the lights off of a lake into the clouds. Yeah. I'm, I'm not super sure about all of that kind of stuff. Because yeah. There's also videos of like, you know, the revelations horns. Correct. And you know, how, how easy is that to fake anymore with totally. all these deep fakes and stuff? But let me, let me bring up yeah, another yeah. theory to you. What if they're not deep fakes? What if they are legitimate and their tests were fucked? I know. I agree. <laughs> I agree. But think about it. I mean, I mean, here's the thing. Okay. This is what I think about. You have a government who has complete anonymity from the ufo alien thing because we're always saying well that's not the government that's ufos we don't say oh that's government no oh ufo we immediately attribute it to aliens so now you have a group that literally can just fly whatever the fuck they want they can shoot whatever the fuck they want they can they can make whatever sounds they want and because it's unexplained blame it on the aliens absolutely so and then all you got to do is say, "Oh, these wackos that believe in UFOs." That's all you got to do. Mm-hmm. Complete and absolute anonymity to get away with whatever you want. Absolutely test and utilize technology that you don't give to the public and that you are either using in space that I believe I believe we're in space heavy. Oh yeah. Well, that, a lot heavier than what they say we are. That's not even a, a new technique, you know. Yeah. They've been doing that forever like, exactly. "Oh, look at the was it crack cocaine epidemic? Oh, look, it's all the black people. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's like, and it was, it was factually 
prove that uh, the government or the CIA was giving these uh, small oh, absolutely. black communities cocaine. Absolutely. And yeah, and they're like, oh, look at them. They're all, you know. The CIA. It's, it's the same trick over and over and over. Yep. And the CIA was having, was was smuggling drugs into the U.S. during during that time. Yeah. Absolutely. During the 80s. And it's, it's just it's the same. It's just a repeat of yeah. that, but with aliens. What's crazy is. They had DEA agents dropping from helicopters in Humboldt County in the 70s on humble hippies, not armed, not dangerous. And yet they had drug cartels in that same time smuggling hundreds of thousands of pounds of, of you know, methamphetamines, cocaine, all that type of shit across the border. And they can't catch them. Yeah, for real. That that's why, like I said, they will do if they don't want you around, you won't be around. Uh-uh. That's why some of these miss whistleblower people, I'm like, I don't, you got, I don't believe skeptical. it. Look at Bob Lazar. Bob Lazar. Yeah, he's an interesting one. He is he's because he's like, oh, story. you know, I've been raided by the FBI numerous times. Okay, I get that. Phil Schneider was strangled by a shower cord in a bathroom in a hotel. He's not he's not hiding away from the FBI in a nice house in Arizona. No, he was literally on a press tour in scummy hotel to scummy hotel trying to get the truth out and was murdered. So so how is it that I mean, I mean, that's what I don't understand about people that don't look deeper, you know, like even the ufologists, you know, they will say. Oh well, it's extraterrestrial. Our government yeah. wouldn't hide that. A lot of like, what are you biased. talking about? They just really absolutely, want to absolutely. I want there to be aliens. Oh, me too. I absolutely do. But I'm not. I don't want them enough to think everything is aliens. Yeah, and to yeah. not recognize the truth either. Like, look to me the simple. And I say this all the time on this show. The simplest answer most times is the correct one. Mm-hmm. What makes more sense? An, ancient, uh, uh, an alien civilization that has worked up its time to be able to travel through the cosmos, to come to our tiny planet and, and view us, or that our government has technology for whatever, from whatever means, however they got a hold of it, and that they're utilizing that and simply, like I said, letting us project that onto what we believe is aliens. Yeah. Absolutely. I absolutely believe that. I mean... Whether it's holographic technology, whether it's actual technology of us flying real shit around, I think it's a combination of things. But I'm telling you right now, in my opinion, the amount of black budget projects, you know, that are out there, um, trillions of dollars, you would see some evidence of that on Earth. And people will say, oh, well, there's underground this and there's underground that. I think with how many rocket launches there are all the time between SpaceX, Bezos, NASA, that guess and China and Russia all in space, we're know. already fucking there. Yeah, they're just shipping shit off. Look at the shuttle. The shuttle had a gigantic cargo bay. Every picture, it's empty. Mm-hmm. Gigantic cargo bay that opened on the original shuttle. You remember? Oh, yeah. It was the size of a plane, a 747. Gigantic cargo bay. 
always pictured empty what the fuck did they have in there i'm telling you now obviously they'll be like oh well, we were building the iss yeah. and we we're building all this okay yeah i agree with you but you're talking about a few panels as opposed to materials to construct ships materials to siphon off energy from the moon to mine the moon yeah and not only that is when they were getting launched off you have all the media attention on that one spot. So exactly. who knows what we're, we're missing on? Absolutely. When they were like, oh, everyone, look at this. Look at this thing. It's Absolutely. happening. You know? Not to mention the amount of, I have no doubt, rockets that don't even need that type of launch to get up there. Oh, yeah. They got figured out like yeah. gravity slingshots. You know, who's to say they haven't figured out how to just do that from the surface? Exactly. I mean, that's getting pretty out there for me. But like, well, but look, I mean, look at technology wise. Who knows? All you need is a is a is a is a a fuel that doesn't ignite the same way and propulsion that doesn't need the type of lift. And that's it. You're done. That's it. I mean, I'm not saying that's an easy thing to do, but I'm just saying that they they have an ion engine right now that once they get into space will literally push out enough fuel just enough fuel to allow this ship to be able to travel for hundreds of years on that same tank of fuel. Yeah. And I remember growing up, uh, you know, all those like silly space shows, they mm-hmm. thought about doing some kind of like magnet thing where it like pushes negative and positive forces together to yep. like create propulsion. I'm not sure exactly how that that's works, exactly what they're doing with the B2 bomber. Yeah. See, so it's there that you have positive ions in the front and it pushes it to the back and there and per, it puts it into a negative and propels it forward so you have it pushing from the back uh, or pulling it forward and then pushing it from the back and that's exactly yeah. what they do i remember seeing that when i was like five yep. or six on the history channel yeah. or like you know whatever channel it was yeah and again bridge of programming so they have the capability to do all this so so the reason why we you know I, you might be asking once again why the fuck did they start with Aleister Crowley and then jump into SpaceX and all that shit? The reason why is this. If it wasn't for Aleister Crowley, you would have Jack Parsons, but you wouldn't have his tenacity mm-hmm. and embrace of the occult to lead him to discover more things, which led him to rocket fuel. Yeah. I mean, hell, look at even, not yeah. to jump off, but like Einstein said a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of quotes attributed to him that aren't his. I hope this is one that's his, but he's like, I didn't come to all my realizations with a rational mind. <laughs> and all the occult stuff is to, if you look at it through a like psycho-spiritual way, is to bypass your waking consciousness to get out of your rational mind into your subconscious. And that goes along with Carl Jung's like collective unconscious. Absolutely. And, you know, that branches off into a whole bunch of different theories, but it's bypassing that. Yeah, I, I it's going. it's well, it's very interesting how these things once again, these things are all connected. So if you go back to that episode with with Casey that I did, we go in more into Jack Parsons and his relationship with L. Ron Hubbard, which was real. He's a real douchebag. Um, excuse me. L. Ron Hubbard basically got uh, Jack Parsons met him L Ron Hubbard was really into sex orgies and kind of they incorporated that which was already somewhat incorporated but they really went deep into it L Ron Hubbard ends up stealing Jack Parsons girl that leads Jack Parsons into a very bad spiral NASA ends up firing him because they find out about all these crazy um orgies and shit 
and not wanting to put a bad name to themselves because at the time they, you know, they were all good name. And now people are starting to catch on the truth a little bit. I mean, really, NASA was formed from Operation Paperclip. Pretty sure NASA stands for never a straight answer. It absolutely does. Um, So all of these things lead up to where we are now, which is now you have... Once again, to go back to a government that has been hiding the truth for a very long time now seems so eager to let it go, I think is because they are ready to, they need us to know something so they can move forward because now it's going to be too obvious is what I believe. I believe that what they have in store next for technology, for space, for the world in general is too large for them to get away with which scares the fuck out of me because if you think of all the things they've hidden to think about something that's so big they can't hide it without it coming out so they have to prep us that's huge and that's what i believe we are in the middle of right now is them lubing us up for for penetration they are getting ready man well i'm just saying no no, i mean government likes to put their (laughs) fingers everywhere including your butthole so I really think that's what's going on is that SpaceX, Bezos, we're talking. I mean, we're talking about space more than we did during the space race when we had never been there. Yeah, we're we are literally talking about space and UFOs and spaceships and all these things more so than we did the first time we went there. And now it's almost like old news. Yeah, we're in space. okay, but now it's like, dude, once again, the SpaceX Falcon 9 was the was the ship that they first tested that out on where it went into space the rocket boosters broke off like they do they go into the staging where the rocket boosters come off now before they would have to trajectory to to calculate where this rocket boosters were going to naturally fall into orbit so they could capture them from the water typically now those rocket boosters simply flip around and guide themselves back to the landing platform. That's where we're at. Self-guiding equipment, dude. And so now, like I said, the shit that they're going to reveal to us is going to be bigger than we can imagine. And it's not going to be, I mean, look, it might be that, oh, hey, by the way, there's an alien race and, you know, here they are. But I think it's going to be different than that. Like you said, it's never what we anticipate it's going to look like. My bet is some kind of Skynet, like artificial intelligence yes. overlord kind of shit. Exactly. Dude, look at social media, man. Yeah, how much of it is run by It's AI? all algorithms, all yeah. of it. And you know what's funny about algorithms? I think that is the new word they're going to use to describe AI because AI are freaked out. Oh, yeah. People are freaked out by AI. So now it's all about nobody gets freaked out when you say, oh, it's the algorithms. Dude, me and me and an obscure word. Yeah. Me and my wife were talking about how we were talking about Facebook. It's like, how do I not see your shit anymore? And she's like, yeah, I don't see your stuff anymore either. I'm like, what the fuck? And she goes, yeah, well, Facebook redid the algorithms. It's all personalized. You could just throw that out there now. Mm-hmm. So I'm telling you that this what is what they're doing is they're desensitizing an entire population, an entire civilization to prep us for when they are going to bring about something big. And they've already got the thumb on us enough where once this big thing is exposed, you're going to have the people that are already on board with the government. They're already like, fuck it, whatever. To, and then the people that are just kind of hanging on, it's going to be so big. It's going to crack. Mm-hmm. It's going to crack the rest. 
to where the rest of us are so scared that we're just like, fine, do what you got to do. Um, you know, Warner Von Braun said that they are going to try to use these false flags to take the defense budget into space. That's what he said. Yeah. So that's exactly what we're doing. I mean, look, Obama said it the best. He's just recently said it. He said, look, if it comes out to be that there are aliens, we're going to have to give more money to the military. He said that shit. Yeah, that was the plan from the beginning. Absolutely. So that's where we're at. That's where I believe disclosure is going. I don't believe it's going to be disclosure. I believe what it's going to be is it's going to be exactly what they want us to know, and it's going to be just enough for them to be able to utilize what it is they have that they're still not going to give us. Mm -hmm. They're just going to make it easier for them to get away with what they are getting away with. And not to keep it doom and gloomy, but do the opposite exactly. Uh, I'm pretty sure. You know how when Vietnam broke out, there was a huge peace revolution? I think we're on the verge of that, like another oh, kind of psychedelic okay. renaissance. And I hate to use the word psychedelic because you know, we already had a psychedelic renaissance, but mm. I don't have another name for it right now. No, no, you're absolutely right, I, though. I think we're on the verge of something like that. I think if something does pop off, like we're talking about right yeah. now, there's going to be some, not necessarily like 100% peaceful, like you know the hippies were supposed to be, but I think we're going to have another kind of counter culture revolution going yeah. on where they're going to have to demonize the people again and you know it's, it's going to be the same thing. Yeah, that's what I think. Another stage at. of enlightenment. Yeah, I think I think it's just another another yeah. repeat. Well, I I certainly hope so. We we absolutely need something to give. For I real. mean, we need something to change, man. I, that's all there is to it. And you know, to ride on the back of your message of hope, Damon, is Ronald Reagan said at one point in a press conference. He said, "Imagine." the differences we can set aside if there was some form of existential, what did he say? Existential threat. Imagine the problems that we would put to the side to come together to battle that threat. Mm -hmm. And I, I think about that all the time because especially now, because what you have is you have an entire population of people that have never known struggle. I mean, we, we are in the most prosperous, prosperous time as a civilization that we have ever been. And there's a cycle to everything. Absolutely. It's amazing that we live in a time that you can go and shop for cannabis like you do shoes. All kinds of different types and sizes for all types of different individuals. Well, if you're like me and you like a nice, balanced experience with no pesticides, clean, soil-grown craft cannabis, then you want to ask for Hell's Canning Cannabis Company in your local Washington retailer. The reason why is because they use true live organic soil recipes, custom-made per strain, per plant, like Mother Nature intended. You can't get any better. So if you want craft cannabis with a balanced experience, ranging from strains like Jesus OG or Acapulco Gold or their own Hell's Cookies, then you want Hell's Canyon Cannabis Company. Ask for them in your local Washington retailer. And if they don't have it, tell them to talk to me and I'll make sure they get it. Back to the show. I I honestly, absolutely hope, and I'm not much for prayer, but I pray 
that this is the case, that all of this doom and gloom that's going on right now, the upheaval, the divisiveness, all that's going on right now, the questions, the uncertainty, is all leading to this idea that we are not effective when we're not together. Mm -hmm. And that in order to be human, we have to be with other humans. And in order to be human, we have to be human to each other. Yeah, I think JFK said it right, but he said it in the means of politics. Like a house can't stand it. It's divided. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it's absolutely true. So I think regardless of what's coming our way, we need to look more domestically at ourselves and we need to realize that we are losing our humanity mm-hmm. all over the place. And I mean, you you know, you can say, well, it's the fault of this and it's the fault of this. Well, look, I'm going to take personal responsibility yeah, and I'm going to say it starts with me. Yeah, all of us. Absolutely. We're agreeing to everything that's Absolutely. happening right now. If we didn't want something to happen, there'd be enough people to stand up to stop it. Absolutely. Not enough of them. Correct. So... If you want something to happen, you can say words and you can bring awareness to it and you can you can make sure that people understand it's happening, but then you have to go one step further and you need to take action. Yeah. So, and I don't mean take action against another human. Mm-mm. I mean take action as in proactive behavior. Yeah. As in behavior that you are the example for your community. Like, look, if you think people should act a certain way, by all means, act that way. Yeah. And then make sure that everyone, not in a gloating, look at me, look at me, self-righteous way, but simply put it out there saying, look, here's step one. Now follow me to step two. Yeah. And to put it in kind of a religious context, because that's what I like, you know, uh, it's a big thing in Hinduism and Buddhism, you know, just be, it's you know, who, who said this? Be the change you want to see. Maybe yeah. it was Gandhi or some some guy like that. But it's for real. That's how you figure out if a, a guru is a, a bona fide guru or not, is if they're actively being what they're saying they are. Absolutely. And Practice like, what you preach. There's all that's kinds. The most thing. Absolutely. There's all kinds of cultures and religions and, and beliefs that ha- that's all say the same thing. We talked about that earlier. They're saying the same thing. Be good to each other. Help teach each other. Help each other grow. There, there's a great saying when you have kids called, it takes a village to raise to raise a family. Oh, yeah. It, and th- what that means is community. Simple community. Now, what is, what is community? It's not just your neighborhood. It's not just your town. It's not just your state. It's not just your nation. It's the whole world. We are a human community. As simple as that. Look, I said this the other day, man. I had somebody come in my shop and was was kind of talking about some things political-wise. And I'm very good at kind of holding my tongue. But at some point, you know, if you say something, I'm like, well, I here's where I disagree. Mm-hmm. And, and I did. And I simply said this. Look, we have gotten so used to labeling you female, me male, you black, white, whatever. I'm bipedal and I breathe the same fucking air you do. Period. Mm-hmm. Period. That's it. Everything else doesn't matter. I I walk on two legs. So do you. Yeah. I breathe oxygen. So do you. Everything else is just a psychological yeah. label. Let's survive. Yeah. That's it. Let's make this world a better place. Let's make each other better people. Let's just do that. So 
And, you know, and hey, let's listen to UFO No Show, by the way, you know, also. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Can't forget that. Damon, thanks for being on the show, man. Oh, thanks for it's having really me. It's really fun. Um, you know, so we kind of went all over the place, but it really comes down to this. Look, regardless of what you believe, regardless of what, you know, if you're into the occult, if you're into the paranormal, if you believe in aliens, you don't believe in aliens. You're, you're, a, you're a believer in, in, in Christianity and anything in between. It doesn't matter. Once again, it doesn't affect my ham sandwich. No, it doesn't. You're, you know, if you call it turkey, I don't care. It's ham to me. I don't care. But it's giving you nourishment, so I'm happy for you. And that that's my humanity. That's my humanity. So you go out there, people. You find your humanity. Damon, you've got your humanity. But that's what it's all about. It's all about just, look, let's be humans to each other. And, and you know what? Then when the aliens do come down, they come to a united population. They come to a united species that can say, you know what? Yeah, we had a rough go, but man, we got over that shit. Come on down. We're having fun now. Having a barbecue. Fuck yeah. Pull up. Yep. <laughs> Anyways. Hey, once again, everybody, go to the Facebook page, UFO No Podcast. Share that shit. Splash that about your social media pages. We blend in well. Your grandma's going to love us. I promise. She told me last night. <laughs> Especially that Christmas episode. Oh, I know. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. Uh also, thank you again to our sponsors, ClarksonCBDCode.com. Make sure and use that promo code UFO No UFONO um, on the on the site when you go to check out. You save 10% on everything, your entire purchase. So if you buy a bunch of shit, you're gonna save on a bunch of shit. Um, Hell's Canyon Cannabis Company. Remember to ask for them in your local retailer can uh, uh, cannabis retailer, Washington State. They are some of the best, most balanced, experienced cannabis you are going to get. Period. And what's great is they're local to our little LC Valley. So make sure and ask for them in your uh, your local Washington retailer. And then uh, subscribe, follow, review, all that great shit. Um, but that's it for me, Damon. I'm going to plug my stuff. Yes. I'm the host of the Seeker to Secret podcast. That's Seeker, S-E-E, or, yeah, S-E, oh my God, <laughs> spelling, S-E-E-K-E-R, numeral two, S-E-E-K-E-R. Uh, that's on Spotify. And if you look at it now, there's only a few episodes kind of on hold, um, deepening my own practice before I, because I'm trying to be what I preach I am. You know, it's a very important message to me. Yep. Uh, yeah, please, by all means, go check out my Check stuff. out the show, man. It's really cool. You've had some cool guests on there. You've had some great conversations. It's really fun. Look, something we have in common, which is our shows are all about finding truth, Right. And sometimes we like to speculate, which doesn't necessarily involve truth, but it also doesn't involve non-truth. Mm -hmm. It simply involves the space in between. And so I like shows like that. I like shows that allow for the facts, but they also allow for speculation into the potential for other things, and which I don't think is misleading or misguiding in any way. But uh, but anyways, Damon Show, go check that out, Seeker 2 Seeker. I'll make sure and put a link in the show notes so you guys can check that out. Support him, support us, support podcasting. That's what it's all about. Thank you once again, everybody, thank for you. joining the show. Hi, Krishna. Oh, indeed. Damon, thank you once again. All right, everybody. Peace out. <laughs>